week's Adam Schefter podcast, we'll be joined by the Broncos undrafted free agent rookie running back, Philip Lindsay, who already has made NFL history by becoming the first undrafted NFL player in history to record at least 100 scrimmage yards in each of his first two career NFL games, which he did in the opener against Seattle and then this past weekend against Oakland. We'll also be joined by the NFL researcher, Evan Kaplan, who has some fascinating stats and information regarding this weekend's upcoming matchups. But the big news of the week regarded two wide receivers, Josh Gordon leaving Cleveland and Antonio Brown seemingly upset in Pittsburgh. But first, we'll start with Gordon. And the New England Patriots took the ultimate low-risk investment to try to solidify a position that they have been weak at and tried to address all offseason. If we can go back to the offseason, the Patriots have made almost 27, 28 moves at the wide receiver position alone since the calendar year began in March, the NFL calendar year in March. They have not been able to find the solution that they need. So what they did this past week was they traded a fifth round pick to Cleveland. And by the way, if Josh Gordon doesn't play in 10 games, then the Patriots get back a seventh round pick. So they traded a fifth round pick, which Bill Belichick can recoup just like that. Belichick manipulates the draft as well or better than anybody jockeying up and down the draft board, picking up extra picks. And so while this team could compete for a Super Bowl title this year, they traded a fifth round pick to Cleveland for one of the three or four most talented wide receivers in the game. Now, this is a different gamble than the Patriots are used to taking, and it very well may explode. But if it explodes and it doesn't work out, then all the Patriots will have lost is a fifth round pick. And the cost of Gordon can't be beat. He's making $790,000 this season. So the Patriots pick up that contract with the ability to tender him as a restricted free agent after this year for another $1.9 million. They may control Josh Gordon for two years at under $2.7 million, which if you look at what some of the top wide receivers in the game are making, that is nothing. Now, again, there are no assurances, zero, that it's going to work out with Gordon. And if we operate under the assumption that it's not going to work out for him and he flames out in New England, then New England doesn't lose much financially or in compensation to Cleveland. There's very little risk that the Patriots have to take. The upside is that he fits into the Patriots' offense. He gives them the type of receiver that they've needed. Keep in mind, Danny Amendola left to go to Miami. Brandon Cooks was traded to the Los Angeles Rams. Julian Edelman is suspended for the first four games. The Patriots had to cut Malcolm Mitchell. They moved on from Kenny Britt. Some of the receivers that they thought who would make a contribution have not. And so they are as weak at that spot as any team in the league. They have now taken a flyer with very little risk on a man that Cleveland struggled to get right. And I think in Cleveland right now, Hugh Jackson has some answers and some clarity that he didn't have before. I'm glad that there's closure, probably to say. You know, let's just say it that way. I'm glad that we're now in a, in a space to where we're not thinking of those things, what could be, what could not be, and that we're uh, coaching the guys that are here and trying to get these guys to, to play at a high level and win football games. There also seems to be some measure of closure, but not a lot, in Pittsburgh, where over the weekend Antonio Brown, got very angry and heated and animated on the sideline, did not show up to work 
on Monday when he was supposed to be there and had Mike Tomlin, the Steelers head coach, being besieged with questions at his Tuesday press conference as to what has happened with Antonio Brown. Mike Tomlin did not want to talk about it, but we saw Antonio Brown's tweet on Monday at a former Steelers employee bringing up the idea of a trade. And everybody's wondered what this meant. Mike Tomlin said he was going to speak privately to Antonio Brown to go over the situation. In the interim, Drew Rosenhaus, Antonio Brown's agent, called with this quote, which came in moments ago. And Rosenhaus said, and I read word for word, the tweet yesterday on Monday was not in reference to anything other than Antonio responding to a person he knows. It was not directed towards a trade or wanting to be traded. It was a personal response to a former Steelers employee who insulted him. Any idea he was asking for a trade is not accurate. Secondly, Rosenhaus goes on, Monday he had a personal matter. I talked to the team about it. His issue was unrelated to the tweet or his relationship with the team. Third, Rosenhaus continues, anything you see between A.B. and the coaches, A.B. has an incredible drive to win. He just wants to win. That's all that that is. That's not anything more than him encouraging his coaches and teammates to win. And that's what his entire focus is on. Any notion, any speculation otherwise, can be put to bed. This is a non-story that has been blown out of proportion. We can end this right here and now. And so Rosenhaus basically is trying to explain for his client that this whole situation has just gotten out of control. But anytime you have a superstar who acts the way that Antonio Brown did on the sideline Sunday, doesn't talk to reporters after the game, tweets about a trade on Monday, no shows to his team, is going to have this type of tension. That comes along with it. When you're on the cover of Madden for the year, people are going to talk about you like that. And so all does not seem right in Pittsburgh land as the Steelers get ready for a Monday night battle against the resurgent and surprising Ryan Fitzpatrick-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Steelers need Antonio Brown to be Antonio Brown. They need that offense to function the way that it has in the past, but not this season. They need a defense to show a lot of improvement. The defense, I think, has been the biggest reason that this team has failed to get on track in the first two weeks of the season. But nevertheless, Antonio Brown gets the spotlight this week for some of the issues that he contributed to creating. And now on to the podcast. We'll start off with Evan Kaplan, our researcher, before we get to Philip Lindsay. And Evan's got some great insight into this week's matchups. Cap hit. All right, let's bring in our NFL researcher for ESPN, Evan Kaplan, for another edition of Cap Hits. And Evan, we've got some big news this week, some big matchups. But let's start with Josh Gordon and the Patriots. What is your theory and your explanation for what kind of impact he may have with that team? Well, looking strictly on the field, Adam, it's not difficult to figure out why uh, the Patriots brought Josh Gordon in. If you look at Tom Brady in his first two games this season, they needed a downfield threat at wide receiver, and that's what Josh Gordon is. Brady has only completed three of 11 pass attempts to wide receivers at least 10 yards downfield. That's the second worst completion percentage in the league on those throws. So, Patriots needed a deep threat. We'll see what happens with Josh Gordon. And how about this, that Josh Gordon hasn't won a game since November 23rd, 2014, when the Browns beat the Falcons 
which is hard to imagine. And something tells me, Evan, that the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick remember the game that Josh Gordon played against them. I believe it was in the 2013 season when Gordon lit up the Patriots defense. Remember that one? Yeah, I, I do, and I'm sure that, that the Patriots do as well. 151 yards, the third most in Gordon's career. Uh, you actually heard some of the Patriots refer to that game after after the news had been announced yesterday, so I'm sure that was in the back of their minds. All right, we have Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback, out to a torrid start. And now he's getting ready to play in his home opener. And by the way, he's thrown the 10 touchdown passes on the road so far. But give me an idea of where in the historical context of the NFL those 10 touchdown passes and this record-setting start fit. Well, we already know the 10 touchdown passes are the most by any quarterback in their team's first two games of the season in NFL history, and he doesn't have to go much further to have the most in the team's first three games. So he's got 10, as you said. The record in the first three games by a team is Peyton Manning, who threw 12 in 2013, and we know how that season ended up for Peyton. Mm -hmm. Through 55 touchdowns, an NFL record. Patrick Mahomes is on a ridiculous pace right now. We'll see where he ends up, but but right now, I think the records might keep falling uh, for the next few weeks. Yeah, but we had a debate on NFL Live this week about how many touchdown passes we think Patrick Mahomes could throw this year, and do we think that he could set that single-season record that Peyton Manning set in one year for 55? What do you think? I, I'm going to put it right around 45 right now. I think he'll slow down at some point, but he will still be uh, in the top top five seasons of NFL history, I'll, I'll say. And think about this. He has 10 already, needs 45 more to tie the record. So he would have to average 3.2 touchdown passes per week for the remainder of the year. Now, again, he hasn't played a home game yet. But that's a lot of touchdown passes to throw, especially – when the weather is going to start to get chilly in Kansas City and that stadium can be brutally cold in November and December, I think that that offense is explosive enough that he can do it. It just seems like it's a very tall order for a guy in his first full season as an NFL quarterback to set the all-time single-season passing touchdown record. I would agree, and you also have to consider the defenses. Probably not two of the better defenses, at least right now in the league he's faced in the Chargers and Steelers. The, the, the class in defense for him that he'll face will certainly step up as the season goes on. All right, we have running backs taking center stage in this matchup of Los Angeles teams, the Chargers and the Rams. What do you make of that running back matchup, Evan? So at the top of the draft over the last few years, we've seen running backs get picked uh, certainly more than they have uh, before that. So you look in this past year, Saquon Barkley, before that, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, but it kind of started recently in 2015 with Todd Gurley, 10th overall to the Rams, and Melvin Gordon, 15th mm-hmm. overall to the Chargers. And, and their production is near the top of the league since they've they've came to the NFL. Since the start of the 2016 season, Todd Gurley, most touchdowns from scrimmage. Melvin Gordon mm-hmm. tied for second. So you look at, we, we talk about Saquon and, and Zeke all the time, but these were kind of the two guys who really brought back the running backs at the top of the draft, and it's paid off for both L.A. teams. And it's also interesting, we had Melvin Gordon on this podcast about a month ago, and he was telling us how he sometimes gets confused in L.A. with Todd Gurley. People come up to him and think that he's Todd Gurley. I guess the dreads and the look, people confuse him. I don't think he really liked that. So I think that Melvin Gordon's going to want to have a big game this Sunday against the running back that he often is confused for in the Los Angeles market. Well, it's interesting you bring that because on Sunday countdown this past week, Randy Moss brought 
that point up with the Giants playing the Cowboys and, and Saquon Barkley against Ezekiel Elliott. Obviously, they're not on the field at the same time, but there there's some competition within the game where if one of them breaks off a run, the other one's going to try to match it. So, I, I like you said, I could see the same thing happening with Gurley and Gordon. Yeah, so that'll be something else to watch for on Sunday. All right. The Eagles made it official this week. Doug Peterson, the Philadelphia head coach, said Carson Wentz will make the first start of the 2018 season on Sunday against Indianapolis. What does that mean to you, Evan? So I think it's just worth reminding people how what kind of a season he was having last year when he got hurt. So it, it was through Week 14 when he had 33 touchdown passes. That was already an Eagles single-season record. It was the most in the NFL at the time he got hurt. And if you project out... Had he played all 16 games, would have been three more last season, he would have thrown 40 touchdown passes. Now, that may not sound like a lot, but if you step back and consider that, there have only been eight different quarterbacks in NFL history to throw 40 touchdown passes in a season. Now, a few of them have done it multiple times, but eight's not a large number. He would have been the ninth. So as he comes back to the Eagles, uh, he, he was not only part of that team, he was one of the biggest reasons why they were so successful last year. And I would make the argument that if you were going to start your franchise today and could pick any player in the entire league, you might take Carson Wentz with the number one overall pick. And I know Tom Brady is the GOAT and Aaron Rodgers has the most talent, but I think Carson Wentz is like 23 years old and he's on that rookie contract still. And he should be there for 15 more years. And there might not be a player in the game today considering the overall long-term picture that you would take with the number one overall pick ahead of Carson Wentz. I think that's that's right on. I think, I mean, everything you said makes sense. And look, we, we say it all the time, but the league is better when the best quarterbacks are healthy, and it, it'll be good to have Wentz back on the field. And on Monday night football this week, got a great matchup. At the time when the schedule came out, you wouldn't have thought that this <laughs> would have been a great matchup, but it is. We have the struggling Pittsburgh Steelers, Traveling to Tampa to take on the Conor McGregor-led <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And by that, I mean Ryan Fitzpatrick, who came out looking like Conor McGregor in his post-game press conference on Sunday. Fitzpatrick has been on fire. What can you say about the connection between Fitzmagic and Deshaun Jackson? It's pretty remarkable looking at Deshaun Jackson, who has three touchdown catches this season. You you look from a fantasy perspective, he's got the third most fantasy points among wide receivers. And <laughs> if he was available in any leagues entering week two, he's not anymore. And oh, you look at over the last two seasons, Ryan Fitzpatrick is completing 71% of his passes thrown to Deshaun Jackson with five touchdowns. You look at Jackson's numbers with Jameis Winston, it, it's a complete drop-off, 53% completion, one touchdown. It sometimes receivers just have that connection with a certain quarterback and and Fitzpatrick obviously wearing Deshaun Jackson's clothes, but but on the field uh they they have been uh, quite dynamic in the first two games of the season. Been incredible to watch. It's always interesting to me to see which fantasy players don't get picked and which ones impact the season the way they do like Ryan Fitzpatrick, like Philip Lindsay, like a lot of these players that nobody sees coming but go on to make a huge impact. Hey, Evan, we appreciate your contributions to the Adam Schefter podcast yet again this week, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks a lot, Adam. We'll be back in a moment with Philip Lindsay, but first a word from ZipRecruiter. There are job sites that send you tons of the wrong resumes to sort through. That's not smart. But you know what is smart? Going to ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP 
to hire the right person. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply so you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Philip. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for taking time to join me. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you for having me, man. Now, I have to say and start this out by saying that I've been warned that you use a lot of cuss words. So we got to keep the language clean here. Is that accurate? Yeah, I got you. I ain't going to cuss. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm going to try not to. What, what is that about? Because I heard that uh, profane language is right up your alley. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess this is who I am, you know. That's just that's who I am. You know, you're going to get, when you get Philip, you're going to get the real Phil, well, I guess. Well, I want the real Philip. So if there's some cursing that slips in, have at it. And we're going to have our producer, Josh Macri, beep it out, Philip. So I want you to speak to us the way you would one of your teammates, curses and all. Uh, all right, I'm going to try to give you to a minimum, though. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying anyway. I'm trying harder. To, I promise my mother I'll try harder. <laughs> did you promise her that? Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows I cuss a lot. What did you tell your mother about that? She told me, actually. She said she, said she would like me to stop cussing as much. <laughs> and I was like, I'll try. Well, <laughs> again, I'm going to give you a, uh, a mulligan here on this podcast here, if that's okay with you. That's fine. So here you are, an undrafted free agent. How do you explain how you go from undrafted free agent, not invited to the combine, to your current standing on the depth chart? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just about work. It's a work ethic, and it's going out there and listening to what the coaches have to say and understanding that to keep your mouth shut. You know, like I said, I was undrafted, so I, I, I had to go in there with a chip on my shoulder, but also go in there humble and understand that uh, just, just just to be appreciative of the opportunity that I have, I have uh, you know, been given uh, for just being able to be there. So and just anytime I had an opportunity to go out there to make the best of that opportunity. Have people discounted you all along the way, Philip? Has that always been the case? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, people are going to, you know, speak their opinion and speak what they think. Everybody thinks they know, you know, what's best for me. Everybody thinks they know what's best for uh NFL team or anything like that. For me, I just go out there and I just play football. I love I love the game of football, and, I, and whether it's playing on special teams or playing running back or receiver, I just want to be out there playing the game. How much of that skepticism and doubt is tied to the fact that you're basically my size? I'm I'm five seven and a half, five eight. I'm one eighty. What are you five seven and a half, one eighty four, Philip? Yeah, I gained a little bit more weight. I'm about one ninety now. One ninety. Yeah, you know, it depends on how many chocolate bars I eat that next day. <laughs> how much of the fact that people have doubted you is tied to your height? I mean, I, you know, you 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 probably have a better, uh, you know reasoning than I do but honestly you know what it seems like a lot of people you know get into that height and weight stuff you know and they they tend to forget it's it's about football it's about making plays it's about heart it's about so that's that's what football has always been about even in the olden days it was about toughness it was about grit 
And now, you know, we're in a new era where everything's about how people look. Hmm. You know, some people are getting paid a lot of money just about how they look. Hmm. So it's just, it's, it's interesting, you know, but for me, how I think about it, I think it's cute when people just try to sit there and, and, and say, you got to be this and this to play football. That's just like saying you got to be a certain way to take care of your family or to do that. You, you're trying to one side somebody, you're trying to tell them how they have to be in order to be successful. There's, there's so many paths and so many ways that you, you can take to be successful. You bring up that heart. So where does your heart come from? How do you get this toughness to do all the things that you've done? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm hard-headed. My family, my family, my brothers and sisters, we're all hard-headed. We competed all the time. We didn't have a lot of, a lot of money growing up, but we had each other. And that's what it comes down to is, is taking care of each other and understanding that things aren't going to be easy. But when my father and my, my mother have shown us that it's, when things get hard to just keep rolling, rolling through because life is about ups and downs. You're going to have great times, you have low times. But the thing is to be consistent. And I think that's what's been most, you know, most uh, successful thing about, about me is I've been consistent. In the weight room, you know, in the, you know, in the film room, on the field, and how I how I handle myself outside of the facility, and that's just about being who I am, being Philip. Hmm. Philip, you're uninvited to the combine, and then you go undrafted. Did you think you were going to get drafted? And when you didn't, what was your reaction? I mean, everybody thinks they're going to get drafted. I feel confident about my abilities. Um, you know, like I said, my heart and. You know, everybody feels like they should get, get drafted, and I felt like I should have. But, you know, every, God has, has uh, you know, a journey for everybody. And for me, I don't ever question uh, what God, you know, the journey God has given me. I just go with the flow of everything. Uh, you know, of course I was down, down about it and disappointed, but it is what it is. It's over now, and now I have a chance to, uh, to, to make my own story, to write my own script for something different. That might have been the best $15,000 the Broncos ever invested, giving you that $15,000 to sign with them after the draft. Yeah, well, I hope so. I hope so. Hopefully I could continue to uh, be consistent in blocking, be consistent in catching, be consistent on special teams. You talk about that story, your story. What is that mm-hmm. story going to be? How do you see this story unfolding? Because after two weeks of the NFL season and the preseason, it's a great story so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's going to be some ups and downs. You know, it's it's, it's a long long season that's when I'm starting to, to understand now you got to take care of your body and, and it's about like like you said not everything's going to be great you know uh, teams are going to start to really key on what I'm doing and now I'm going to have to change up little things but that's what it's about it's about understanding that I have I have the ability to do different things to change up my game and it's about being smart with things and uh, like you said it's just trusting your coaches uh, every day we go out there and, and they got a game plan for us and it's about understanding why we're doing this. Sometimes I might be a decoy, but it's about, at the end of the day, it's about winning for this organization. Philip, what was the moment this summer that you knew that you belonged in the NFL? Because it seemed very apparent early on that Denver was going to keep you, but when did you know personally that you belonged at this level? You know, it, was a, it, it, it still hasn't hit me now. I work, I work every day as if, you know, I can get cut tomorrow, and that's the truth. That's that's how NFL is. You see so many players come in and out the locker room, you get scared. I mean, there's about three or four people that that locker room is right next to mine, you know, and it's and you just get nervous, you get scared. So that that makes you work even harder. That makes you watch film even more, you know. It makes you 
hungry because you don't want to be that other person on the other side. You want to continue to make strides, and that's just about being consistent in what you do in your life. I got some breaking news for you right now, Philip. okay? Yeah. You're not getting cut. Not anytime soon. <laughs> okay. Right now, right now, you are the NFL's third leading rusher behind Joe Mixon and Matt Breida. What would be yeah. your reaction if I had told you after the draft unfolded, after you went to training camp, that two weeks into the season, that you would be the NFL's third leading rusher? You know, my family would say, like, they, would, they wouldn't be surprised. For me, I don't even really take consideration. This is it's, it's early. You know, it's early, um, and it's, a, it's about the long term. You know, it's, can I be consistent throughout week 15, week 10? Week, you know what I mean? And, and that, that's all. It comes down to preparing yourself and preparing your body and understanding don't get too high on yourself, don't get too low on yourself, but just to keep rolling. My job is to make plays. That's why, that's why they're paying me. And that's why I want to stay in the league for a long time because I want to show my ability to make plays. And that's what I continue to work on every day. And that's what I'm going to continue to, to do, you know, throughout throughout the time uh, this season. It's just find ways to get open so that Kate can get can get the ball out fast or, or how, what I can do on special teams to make a big impact in the game. So for those who don't know, you attended Denver South High School where you were selected first team All-State by the Denver Post and you finished your high school career as the high school's all-time leading rusher. You attended the University of Colorado where you finish your career as the school's all-time leader in all-purpose yards and yards from scrimmage. And then you saw him at the Broncos, where John Elway is a legendary figure in that state. What was it like for you to come into an organization where a player that you probably were aware of growing up, to some extent, yeah. was working? It's a surreal feeling. And, you know, you can, you get kind of, like, nervous when you get around Mr. Elway just because, of, you know, the status of of him and, and what he has brought to this organization on the field and right now he's a, he's a, he's a great leader for this organization and uh, it's just it's just being able to see a legend pretty much and, and and see how he does things see how he handles us see how how he talks with us and then it's just being able to be here at my home state and be able to make uh, my family proud uh, my, you know the fans proud. And just you know, make myself proud. You know, it, it comes down to you got to be selfish in a way. Of, you got to you got to be able to be proud of what you have done. You got to be okay with who you are and what you're doing. So, with all the people you know there, how many ticket yeah. requests are you getting for a home game there? A lot. I mean, you have to understand. You know, I'm still an undrafted rookie, so you know, I can't. I don't. I don't have the, the money to go spending on all, all kind of people because in the NFL you have to pay for your ticket. Yep. So they understand that, and I make sure that I break it down. I love my family death, and they're, they're believe me, they, they all the women in my family they they take my side for everything. They're they're like my bodyguards. I got about <laughs> ten bodyguards, but they also have to understand that you know it, this is a business, and that you know right now I'm trying to make make a name for myself, and it's going to take more time than two games. It's going to take more time than a year. Uh, I got to establish myself throughout many years and that's just it's about being patient and I've understood that uh, and it, it sucks when you're a 24 year old kid and you have to be patient with a lot of things especially when you came from nothing and you didn't have money and you have to understand that yeah you're here but it's about the long term it's about later on down the line when you have kids and be able to set up for your kids and it takes time and, and you have to be a, a mature uh, young man you know we, we were kids in college and you're a young man becoming an adult you got to understand that it's going to take some time, and you got to be smart with what you do and how you act. Hmm. Now, the other 
legendary Broncos figure that you've had some interactions with is Terrell Davis, who also wore number 30, went to the Pro Football Hall of Fame after you made the team. Yeah. What made you yeah. call him to ask for permission to wear his number 30? Yeah, actually, I actually got done texting him. He texted me earlier today, actually, to just congratulate me on my first 100-yard game and that he was proud of me. So it was pretty cool to be able to hear from him more than once. We exchanged numbers, and he said he would keep on contact with me uh, throughout the throughout the season. But it means a lot, lot to me to be able to to wear his number. And I felt that it was only best if I went and asked him before just going in there and just putting on a, a jersey that meant meant a lot to this organization and meant a lot to him. I mean, I wouldn't want somebody to sit there and and just put on a, a jersey, not understand what what that jersey is about. You know, you got to go around, around there and you got to. Research your, research your history. And for me, I've been able to be here because I'm a Colorado kid. I'm a Colorado native. So I understood the history between, you know, behind the jersey number. But it's about having his blessings to be able to wear it and for him to be comfortable enough for me to, to wear it. And I think it made things a lot, the attention a lot better with the fans because, you know, fans don't understand that, you know, you, have, you only have a certain amount of jersey numbers in the NFL that you can wear in position, you know. And for me, it was, you know, either – some some number that I really didn't want, or number that I could could cherish and and understand that there, there's a meaning towards it, which makes you play even better. Hmm. And you know, fans fans get angry sometimes because you know it's Terrell Davis number, and we all know that no matter how how well I, how well I do in my career career here, it will always be Terrell Davis number, and I'm okay with that. He he, he let me borrow the number, and and I go with, it. and I and like Terrell Davis has said, the number doesn't make you. You make yourself, and that's what I want to do is establish myself. And it'd be just, and, it, and he gave me an opportunity to wear his number and establish myself. You mentioned the history of the organization. How much history of this team do you know? I know pretty, 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 uh, you know, well, well amount. You know, enough to understand the 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 people that have helped us out. You know, and I'm learning every day. That's another thing is, and I've learned over the time is you can never stop learning. No matter what you do, every time you step out, uh, step out, you're learning something new. And you got to be okay with it and welcoming people to help you and, and people to give their knowledge so that you can learn more and grow as a person. So I'm learning every day about the the organization and about the history. Well, I have a trivia question on the history of the organization, Philip. Uh, no, nah, don't give me no trivia <laughs> questions right now. Oh, no, I got a good one. Which beat writer had the longest stretch of continuous service covering the Denver Broncos for the Colorado newspapers? What reporter would that be? Yourself. Oh, Philip! Bingo! You know the history of the organization. Very good. I spent 16 years. I'm very impressed. Hey, I, I, hey, I did know a little bit about that. I know that you, you understand... You know, I don't know too much about it, but I know enough to know that you you know about the Denver Broncos. Well, I know about the Denver Broncos, and I know where you're from. <laughs> I know your school. Yes, sir. I know your organization. And it's really amazing to watch what you've done coming from where you've come from to make the mark that you have. What else do you think is capable this season for you, personally? Uh, I mean, for me, it's not about myself. It's about the team. It's about Case. It's about our offensive line that's doing a great job right now. They're rolling. I mean, we just got done watching film, and they're they're driving people back, and they're they're excited. And it, it's just about a bunch of grown men getting together that care for each other. And you don't get that a lot, you know. And, and I'm young, so I'm coming from college, and college is all about camaraderie. It's all about 
brotherhood. And the NFL is a little different. But when you get a team that cares about yourself, that talks to you and doesn't care if you're a rookie, that treats you the same, it's a lot more special. And, uh, it, and it helps the team out. Everybody's on the same page. You know what I mean? It's not about me running the ball. It's about me picking the holes that they're, they're, they're choosing for me. They're out there working their butts off 24-7. They're putting their bodies on the line for me to go out there and do what I have to do, and that's make people miss. I'm getting paid to make people miss, and they're getting paid to make sure that I get down that field. Sky's the limit. Sky's the limit. Yeah. So we're going to keep seeing Philip Lindsay, same size as me, going out there scampering for yards, most yards of any Broncos running back in the first two games in team history, 6.1 yards per carry. We're going to keep seeing that kind of performance from you? You're going to see a kid that's going out there playing for his home home state, playing with, with, with his heart on his sleeve and giving everything I got, all 185 pounds of me, going out there and, and, and working for my teammates and, and just trying to make a name for myself. What has been the most thrilling part of this whole experience so far since you've signed with Denver, Phillip? Yeah, uh, just, just the uh, – our rookie class is a real close rookie class. It's kind of weird, and I think that's the that's where uh, you know the coaches were kind of coaches were kind of shocked. We're we're a real close tight rookie class, and I think that's from Mr. Elway and the whole organization and drafting. All of us were were captains on the team. All of us are mature individuals, and all of us understand that it's not about us. We go out there every day, and you don't hear nothing from us. We're out there listening to the vets. We're out there working our butts off. And just the, the the brotherhood we are building as a young group. I mean, me and Royce, you know, like we and Royce knew each other because, one, we've played against each other in the Pac-12. But, man, we keep each other going. It's mm-hmm. always we're laughing, we're clowning around. David Williams is on practice squad. We, we, like, he, he's there. He's making us better. We're all laughing. We're, we hang out 24-7. Everybody always asks why. They're like, every time we look around, all the running backs are together. And that's just because we're young. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a young group that's in the same age range, that we, we like a, a lot of the same things. We understand each other, and we stick together. And that's just how it is with the whole entire rookie class, hmm. from Bradley Chubb to, to all the undrafted players that are on the team. We all know our roles, but, you know, you, don't, you have somebody like Bradley Chubb that doesn't look down at us because someone was undrafted. We all look at each other equal because, at the same time, we all know we need each other. No one's looking down at you now, Philip. You should be very proud. I wish you continued success. I hope you keep working hard and have more production and more results like you've had the first two weeks and all through the summer. All right, man. I appreciate that. And I just want to say, go Bronco. Philip, you're the man. I appreciate that. All right, man. You're the man, man. We'll be back in a moment with your Ask Adam questions. But first, I want to tell you about Vivid Seats. Football fans, you know me best for breaking the latest and greatest news around the league. Speaking of which, I recently received a tip. Vivid Seats is offering ESPN fans... 10% off football tickets, but you have to act fast. Head to VividSeats.com and enter promo code ESPN at checkout to receive 10% off your first order. Vivid Seats is the official ticket partner of ESPN, and with their 100% buyer guarantee, there's no reason to miss a game this year. Don't wait. This offer ends soon. So head to VividSeats.com, get off the couch, and get into the action. Your team needs you. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. We should ask Adam. Uh, it's another edition of the Ask Adam questions, which we haven't done since the season began. Grateful that my producer, Josh Macri, 
has put together your voicemails and your questions for another edition of Ask Adam. Josh, what do you got for us this week? That's right, Adam. Yeah, it's been way too long, and that means we've got a lot of good voicemails. A lot of people were waiting patiently to get their questions in, like this first caller. Hi, um, I'm calling regarding Sam Darnold. I was reading an article that was comparing him, like saying that all quarterbacks started off, all like great quarterbacks, let's say like Troy Aikman, or Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, all these great quarterbacks, they started off their careers on losing, like losing. Like they were like 1 and 13, 0 and 15. But then they came back and they're like trying to prove that Sam Darnold really is like that next big guy. What do you have to say about that? Do you think Sam Darnold is really the next big quarterback in the league? Or do you think that he's just going to be an average quarterback? Well, Josh, that's a long question. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. here's what I would say. The bottom line is the Jets are enamored with Sam Darnold. They couldn't be any happier. I know that they didn't win on Sunday against Miami, and that was a disappointment and a setback for this team before it goes to Cleveland on Thursday night for a game against the Browns and Baker Mayfield to be on the bench. But the Jets couldn't be any happier with Sam Darnold. He is the youngest quarterback in the league, 21. And if he is what the Jets think he is, then he may be the quarterback of that team for the next 20 years if he's like Tom Brady and plays into his Jet fans hope, yeah. And... I'm telling you right now, they think that he gets better every day. They think he takes the coaching. He has demonstrated all the attributes. If you're a Jet fan, you wouldn't want anybody else at quarterback right now other than Sam Darnold. I know they didn't win, so that's why there's a little bit of negativity and some questions and doubts. But if that call had come in one week ago, we would have been basically coming up with this bus for Canton, Ohio. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I think the caller was begging you to say, yeah, Sam Darnold is the second coming. Uh, you won't quite go that far. But, well, a but week ago we would have, but not this week. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Next question is about the Steelers, which we addressed earlier thanks to your brief conversation with Drew Rosenhaus, but we still have this call. Hey, Shefty, it's Alex Stray. I'm loving your book, and I love the podcast. Hmm. How do you think the Steelers are going to bounce back from the 0-1-1 record that they have right now? Thanks. Well, thanks for the question, Alex. I appreciate reading the book, The Man I Never Met, a memoir. And I appreciate listening to the podcast. What I would say about the Steelers is this. I like to go on history. And the history says that this team typically has been very good. And when you've got the quarterback and you've got the wide receiver and you've got a running back, whoever's playing there, James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, typically you're going to be a good team. Now, I think this defense has let this team down the first two weeks. And I want to think that they can get that together and play better. I don't know if they're going to be a great defense, but it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I still think of them as a playoff caliber team. Now, there's a lot that has to happen in a given year. Uh, to get back to that spot, but there's no reason this team can't rebound, but it can't waste much more time, and obviously it's got to get a W starting Monday night in Tampa. When you go on history, Adam, you just mentioned that. There's been concern about the Saints' defense for a long time, going back years. Last year may have been the anomaly, and that is what the concern is for this next call. Hey, Adam, this is Austin Greenway uh, down here in southeast Texas. I'm an avid Saints fan, and uh, I was wondering to get your take to see if uh, these Saints' defensive struggles uh, early on the season, is that going to be a trend or is that an anomaly? We had uh, we had some high hopes going into the season, and defensively it seems like we're struggling. And going back to a few years ago when, when Drew Brees just had to outscore everybody, um, just wanted to get your take on it. Thank you, and go Saints. Well, thanks for the question, Austin. I would tell you this. I was very high on the Saints' defense coming into the year, so much so that I drafted them. In one of my fantasy leagues is my defense. I really thought they were going to be better. And when you spoke to people in and around the organization over the summer, they thought that the defense had caught the offense and would be that good this year. Now, so far, it's been disappointing. 
the defense has not played the way that I think a lot of people had expected it would. I think part of the problem is that the offense has had a lot of turnovers and put the defense at a disadvantage at certain times. And I don't think the defense has played up to its potential just yet. It also hurts, I think, that they don't have a traditional, typical running game where you're holding the ball and running the clock. So the defense may be out there a little bit. So the offense has turned over the football a little bit. It's not running the football consistently, even though Alvin Kamara is a total stud and you'd want him on any team any day of the week. So there are some obstacles, and the defense has not played its best football. I think the defense is going to get better. I still think it's a playoff-caliber team. But no, they, they have not looked that way the first two weeks. I think that they'll get it straightened out. Let's stay in the NFC South. From the disappointment of the NFC South thus far to the pleasant surprise of the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hi, Adam. My name is Phil. I live in Tampa, Florida, and as you can tell, I'm calling about the Buccaneers. Uh, Two-part question quickly. First, how likely, if Fitzmagic keeps going for uh, however long, do the Bucks ride that wave? until they bring back James, or do they just keep riding it until it doesn't uh, stop and they leave Fitzpatrick in? And secondly, do you think Winston will be back to the Bucks after his rookie contract? The Bucks have never signed a quarterback to a, a second contract. I'm curious if you think Winston will be the first one. Great questions. And what I would say is this. Somebody described it to me this way, and I thought it was really the best way of saying it at this point in time. I don't think it's a question of saying, does... Jameis Winston deserved to start anymore. So much as it is a question of how long a leash is Ryan Fitzpatrick going to get, because he's been arguably he and Patrick Mahomes, the two early season, two game MVPs of the NFL for whatever that's worth. Now we know that Fitzpatrick could go out on Monday night and throw four picks, lose. He looks terrible. And the questions will start, but I think it's going to take a game like that before we even think of going to Jameis. You, you just don't pull a guy that's playing like this. And winning like this. Now, saying that, I do think that they're going to re-sign Jameis. Ryan Fitzpatrick is older. I think that the common prevailing thought in and around that organization before the season began was that Jameis had a tremendous training camp. And by the way, so did Ryan Fitzpatrick. And they were very disappointed that he was going to miss the start of the season because of how sharp he looked in the summer. And when you've got a young quarterback like that, I think they are going to look to resign him. I think that they're going to put some protections in there to make sure that they are covered in the event that there's any transgressions off the field, being that Jameis Winston still hasn't earned the full trust of people, even though I think that they believe that he's turned a corner and acted better and is more responsible and more mature. Now, that's their feeling. We'll see how that plays out over time. I'm not so sure yet. I believe more in actions than words, but I do think they'll resign him. I do think the job for now is Fitzpatrick's. I think he has to lose the job before they turn it over to Winston, which he could do at any point. He could do it in week four. He could do it in week eight. He could do it in week 12. We don't know. But I think Fitzpatrick starts, and I think Winston's back. Let's close it out by going full circle, Adam, and bringing the podcast back to where we started. Josh Gordon and a lot of fans out there are saying, man, why do people keep trading with the Patriots and giving them their best players? Adam, I have a question about the idea that teams continue to negotiate with the Patriots, especially teams within the AFC. Why is it the teams still entertain Bill Belichick's calls? It can't be that they're getting the best offers from New England because New England doesn't have a lot to offer, including the fact that their draft picks tend to be low first-round draft picks if they're first-round or uh, at the bottom of any round that they offer. 
So why is it that teams continually deal good players to New England? Thanks. My name is James Lander calling from Arlington, Virginia. Fly, Eagles, fly. Well, James, it's an interesting question, and I would say this to you. There are not that many players who have been thriving somewhere else that teams all of a sudden have turned around and said, I'm going to trade him to New England. What has happened is, is New England has taken chances on players at various points in their career, usually when they're down. They're a buy-low team. They buy players' stock when it's low. So when they traded for Randy Moss, Randy Moss was flailing in Oakland, was not producing. The Raiders wanted to be done with him. Any team could have traded for him. The Patriots saw something in him that they thought they could get out of him. And by the way, not all the trades have worked out. The Patriots thought they could get it out of Albert Hainsworth, and they couldn't. Patriots thought they could get it out of Chad Johnson, and they couldn't. They thought they could get it out of Reggie Wayne, and they couldn't. So there's this perception, because it's New England, because they're so good and so well run and so successful, that everything they touch turns to gold. And that's just not true. But they are adept at identifying players who have not connected with their teams. Kyle Van Oy in Chicago, or certain players at certain spots like that that don't work out. Wes Welker, they sign a restricted free agency, a shrewd move. Buffalo, they sign away Chris Hogan and Mike Gillisley. Gillisley doesn't work out. Hogan's been pretty good for them. So it's a mixed record that I think because you have Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and the Kraft ownership group, everything's kind of been masked, right? You just think James, that everything is great. But it's not. They've made a lot of good moves. And right now, the Cleveland Browns didn't have a lot of options. I don't believe there was a team out there that was offering more than a fifth-round pick for Josh Gordon. Nobody was. So the Browns' preference, I can tell you for a fact, was to trade him to an NFC team. They said that to me over the weekend. We want to trade him to the NFC. We don't want him in the AFC. Well, guess what? They initiated conversations with multiple teams. And none of those teams was willing to step up and pay so much as a fifth-round pick. Because if they were, the Browns would have traded him to an NFC team. But there was no team out there that felt that Josh Gordon was worth any more than that with his history and his baggage. New England said, we'll take a flyer. And part of the reason that they can take a flyer, I believe, is because they, number one, are desperate at wide receiver. Number two, they know they can make up that fifth-round pick through manipulating the draft board and getting extra picks back. And number three, as we mentioned at the start of this podcast, it's a no-lose proposition. If Josh Gordon regresses, has a setback, relapses, whatever you want to say, they're out a fifth-round pick. Big deal. Especially considering their problems at wide receiver and the fact that Tom Brady's 41 and he should be surrounded with as good a talent as he can be in the latter part of his career. Good call. Good calls all around. Keep them coming as we continue on throughout the season. The phone number to get onto the Ask Adam hotline, 860-506-5779. Just make sure that you leave your name before your question so that you can get the credit you deserve when we answer your question. Hey, Josh, thanks for all those questions. I want to thank... Evan Kaplan, ESPN's ace NFL researcher, for his contributions to this week's podcast. And I want to thank my new friend, Philip Lindsay, the Broncos' undrafted rookie free agent running back. I think anybody who heard him talk 
could get an idea of why he has succeeded so far in life and why it looks like he's got a great future ahead of him. The kid cares, he's passionate, he gets it, and I think he's going to be a big success for the Denver Broncos. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Adam Schefter Podcast. Please join us again when we'll be back in this spot next week again. Have a great week, everybody.